0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Salter Board Games. I'm your host Julius and this is episode 122. Hey man, let's go down to Jamaica man. <laughs> Julius, Julius, no no, not Jamaica. The South Seas.
1: Is that not Jamaica man? <laughs> no man. <laughs> Thinking like, you know, uh Polynesia? Hawaii? Oh well, man.
0: I feel like we need to get some improv training. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm no good at improv. That's hard. We're gonna we're we're gonna go on a vacation. We're going to improv school. Yeah, we're going in the to South improv seas. conference in the South Seas. Right. I like it. Let's bring the whole family. Mm-hmm. Yep. We need a Kickstarter. A Kickstarter, yes. <laughs> Find the one player podcast going to improv school <laughs> in in Tahiti. In Tahiti. Uh, the Bahamas, you mean? No, the South Seas. Listen, I'd rather go to the Bahamas. Once we're doing a Kickstarter, we're going to the Bahamas.
1: Okay. So, you know, when I did the, the video game, the Action 52 thing, the the plan was that we are going to go work in the Bahamas. The guy wants to set up shop down there, and so we're okay. going to fly down to the Bahamas and work for four weeks, and then fly home and have four weeks off, and, and keep doing that.
0: <laughs> I don't know what Ancient ancient 52 thing you're talking about.
1: Action 52. So years ago, I worked on a video game. Oh. And okay. uh, and that was the name of the cartridge. It, search Action 52 on the internet. You'll find out about it. Hmm. It's like infamous as being the worst video game ever.
0: Hmm. Maybe I will. Mm-hmm.
1: For Nintendo. <laughs> Maybe I will. Anyway, everybody else, welcome to the One Player Podcast. Hello. We're glad you're here. Hello. <laughs> Julius and I are just talking about stuff. Um eagerly
0: refreshing our podcast audience participation yes. survey.
1: Yeah, we Julius just submitted a survey. You may already have seen it, maybe not. It's over at the One Player Guild. It's a survey about the One Player podcast. Find out what people think, what they like, don't like, whatever. And uh this is as fun as Kickstarter. You know, you just keep refreshing to see how many uh backers you have in Kickstarter. This is polls. Oh wow, it's up to 15 in like in 5 minutes. <laughs>
0: Yes, so I think we talked about this on the last little uh, mini announcement that we had on the feed. So again, we have this one up. It's going to be going until March 20th. Uh, We're also having a $15 gift certificate giveaway on Miniature Market, or rather. We're also having a gift certificate giveaway to Miniature Market and for anyone who's going to participate in it. So we're giving that away as part of the participation survey to anyone who wants to go answer it up over there. So... If you want to give us any feedback, reach back out to us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Feel free to please go out there and fill out our survey. Mhm. That'd be that would be excellent. That would be really helpful. Um but ha- now that we've talked about getting feedback from podcast from the listeners, let's give us something to listen to. So, shall we start talking about stuff in general? Yeah, like games. Sure. Have you I, been playing anything? Did I talk... How long ago was it? Did I talk about having to go do a game night with the normals?
1: <laughs> yes, you told me you were going to have to do that. Did it, did you play poker? Did it happen?
0: Uh, so, <laughs> my... Oh, God, I really hope local people aren't listening to this well, podcast right now. I don't now. think he
1: talked about it. I don't remember if he talked about it on the show or not.
0: Well... What happened is is that there was a local game night that some I go to a synagogue a shul locally here, and they decided they wanted to have a game night, and so they they know that I'm involved in the gaming hobby, and so they invited me to come out and bring games. So I was like, okay, I'll bring some like you know newer type games, new person type games, you know. So I brought um, Escape, I brought One Night Ultimate Werewolf, I brought Spyfall. I brought um, sushi go. So these are the type of games that I was bringing. I brought King of Tokyo, and so I bring it out there, and so I come, I help, I set up for the thing, and I pull out a game to play with people. Halfway through it, I'm like, watching, I'm like, oh, we lost. Okay, great, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I I don't really know why I bothered to do this. I should just stayed home and played some solo games instead <laughs> instead of bothering and trying. Wow. Uh- I was kind of expecting it. I was going along sort of like you know I felt like I should try and support a local
1: yeah, attempt to do this, but
0: all... i wasn't I wasn't expecting much out of it, and i I got back my expectations.
1: <laughs> you get what you put into it to maybe
0: so the, maybe. the were the people just looking for other types of games and stuff? well, I mean, a lot of people got in on a cards against humanity game. Wow, I'm surprised they they played that at a. At a synagogue, they didn't play at a synagogue. It was at a person's house. Well, at a house, was, oh, but it a, wasn't. It, it was wasn't specifically unaffiliated with the synagogue, presumably uh, so that they could play games like Cards Against Humanity. And I have no interest in rudeness for rudeness' sake. Yeah, in, in uh, vulgarity just to be funny because of vulgarity. I have no interest in that t- sort of game.
1: You know, I'm there with you. I I, I was at the my friend local game store the other day. Boardwalk Games. I should mention their name once in a while, and um. We're talking about Cards Against Humanity, and I mentioned, you know, I have no idea. I mean, I know what the game's like. I know it's apples to apples and all that, but I, I have no sense of what the questions are like or anything because I'm just not interested. And they said, oh, we could read you the back of the box. Don't. I I don't even want to bother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a prude. Yeah, it's cool. hmm So, okay, so you've been playing Cards Against Humanity. Anything else? Oh, God. <laughs>
0: right cards against humanity i'm eagerly awaiting um the dresden files card game to come i just got a copy of v commandos and i really like what they did about the rules but i'm gonna have to cover v commandos in a full podcast and review at another point in time but i really like the the way they handle the rules for that one but i think that i will hold off on discussing either of those until we can get a full review for both of those
1: okay Okay, yeah, I've been, uh, what have I got? I got Limes recently, and I've been playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so somebody on BGG, I don't remember his name it was, but I should look it up and mention his name. He decided, he offered to do a group order from Europe for the game, and I signed up for it. Honestly, I didn't know anything about the game. I was just going to sign up, why not? And uh turns out that this game is um, the same game as Cities, which I have played before and I liked a lot. Sure. So I was actually very happy to get it. And I've played it a bunch now. Solo works great solo. Super easy,
0: super fast. Um that's a neat game. Sure. I've definitely enjoyed it. Oh, um, I'm also the this may be more digital. I'm also getting in, hopefully, on the beta test for the digital version of Onirim. Ooh, neat. Yes. I ooh. D- for those who aren't familiar with Onirim, um, Probably every, I have a feeling almost all of our listeners are familiar with Onirim, especially as I see the um, solo pay it forward or trade it forward list and keep seeing Onirim come up. But uh, Onirim is one of the first of the... Uh, Oniverse series games, they're solitaire-only games, and so there's an app version of it coming out. I actually had at one point in time traded away my copy of Onirim, because I got tired of the amount of shuffling that was involved in the game. <laughs> so an app version for me would be great, because then I don't have to shuffle 100 card decks, or on the flip side, 10 card decks, both of which can be annoying. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing app version of the game, and I'm in on the beta at least, so I'm yeah, you know, that should be cool. <laughs> mhm. That will be cool. I'm looking forward to hear more about that. Hopefully you can talk about it too. Uh, well, I have there's nothing blocking me from talking about it. I did not sign an NDA. I just don't have a copy of it yet. Ah, uh, okay. And this is going to be available for for Android, Google. iOS, and yeah. Steam also, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Nice.
1: Very nice. That'd be fun. That'd be fun to get into. Mhm. I had not even heard of
0: being play tested or anything yet. It is being played tested. There's a screenshot of it that's up. Um, I can give you a copy of a link to it so that you can also bask in the glory. It looks <laughs> really nice. Looks super nice. Just a sec. So you have a picture of the doors and you have a picture of the labyrinth, you have a picture of your hand, the discard pile. I mean, a game like Onirim, it's not a highly complex. I have no idea what they'll do with all the extra stuff. Like I would love to see the towers get in on this because the towers is one of my favorite expansions. I think when I'm playing, I always play with the towers. So but I'm hoping that they find a way to implement some of those expansions. I like having the spell book in there too. Hopefully all those will get in. It will be really good. I will buy them.
1: Mm hmm. That, yeah, it'd be cool. That, that's such, I like that game. It's fun. I don't mm-hmm. mind the shuffling. It's worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to it. There's other things I'd rather do that Yeah.
1: I am still waiting to get Neltilion. Is that ever going to be available? I don't know. I, you know, it seems like it's been available to some people for a while, but it's just not available in the US. And I don't know. It's a little frustrating. Really? It's that hard to get a copy of Notillion? I don't know. Apparently it's... My friendly local game store has not gotten it yet. They, you know, they've known I've wanted it for like a year now and it just hasn't shown up. Um, apparently it's still just not released in the US. Is my understanding. Really? When I go look at like Cool Stuff think It says uh, expected release date is February, 20, February something.
0: So. But I thought I've seen people who have it out.
1: Yeah, and apparently it was available, It might be available in Europe, or it was available in small amounts. I don't get it. I don't know.
0: Morton certainly has it, because I think I yes. saw Morton doing like a whole strategy review Yes, of the game. and
1: tons of pictures, and he's in Europe. And it's just not fair.
0: It's just not fair? Oh, poor
1: Albert. Which I really want to play the game. It looks neat. And it's part of the universe.
0: Uh, I don't have nearly such an interest in it.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but oh well. Okay.
0: I'll I'll let you talk about that. But to me, it looks like a really basic just roll and move without a lot of decision-making.
1: It, it looks like it, it it might be, but I have a feeling there's more decisions than you'd think. Is, we'll see. Is my guess. You know, there's a game, what was it? Um, Disaster in, on Everest. And there's a couple others from Victory Point Games in the Disaster sure. series. I always thought, that sounds interesting. But then I look at the picture of the board, and it was this picture of a mountain with a couple circles on it. I'd say... It looks like a roll of move. It looks like Candyland or something on a mountain. This seems dumb and I never bothered looking into it. And then I got the opportunity to playtest the second one in the series. I said, sure, sign me up. It was awesome. I love the game. It's fantastic. I had no idea how good it was. So, you know, looks can be deceiving. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I played? I haven't played too much else. Today I played a game of Aeon's End. Someone lent it to me so I could cover it on the podcast. Um, nice. And I played it for the first time. And I admit I was not really interested in it. The theme really? just doesn't get my attention. I don't know. It sort of looks like a generic fantasy, camp, but dark it sort of setting. It is kind of
0: generic fantasy. I don't think they did anything special, but the game is really good.
1: Well, yeah. I enjoyed it. I played it, and I actually had a lot of fun. More more than I expected to. Um, So I will definitely play more of it. But I, I don't know. I just I wasn't interested in getting it. Who knows? Maybe this that. will change. The, the last time this person, Josh, lent me a, a game, it was uh, Nations. Loved it. Ended up getting it. So, <laughs> And he used to work at the game so Maybe that's why he kept doing that. <laughs> Just land over a game. He'll buy it every time. It's genius. Anyway, um, what else? I haven't really been playing much else. Some games with my son, but it just hasn't been time lately.
0: Well, do you have any other news to announce? I think I talked basically about my piece of the news with the Oni Rim announcement.
1: Um, I don't really have any news right now. I know there's a Kickstarter starting apparently next week that I'm kind of excited about. It is um, the second edition of The Island of Dr. Necro. I covered that game way back, probably like in episode 15 or 20 or so. I don't remember exactly. I guess we could go back and look
0: ages um, ago it is a
1: neat cooperative game where where you're trying to get into this island and rescue the scientist and get out with the scientist um dr Necroz is this evil villain who wants to destroy the world and so you're trying to stop him the The older version of the game all the art has this really neat like nineteen fifties sci fi style that I thought was really cool um the game. Is pretty random. A lot of people don't like it because it's random, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, and, and the way you mix the characters together is pretty neat because you get three character cards every time to, to, to create your character, so he has th- three attributes. And and the cards you get really change the way the game plays. And it's a really quick game, so so the fact that it's pretty random and hard to win, not a big deal. Um, the new edition has brand new art, which... From what I've seen is I don't like it as much, but I think it's way more accessible. I know mm-hmm. my kids found the game boring-looking with the old art, and I could see why they'd think that. I mean, it's it's just not bright at all and colorful, it's, but, but I liked it. But um, I think this will be way more accessible to people, and apparently they've cleaned up the
0: rules and, and also improved the game. And do you know when that's going to be launching?
1: All I know is it's going to be launching next week. They did contact me and ask me if I was interested in a copy of the game. Um, So maybe I'll have more information about the game during the Kickstarter. Maybe in the next episode, hopefully. We shall see.
0: Looking forward to hearing more about that. Mm -hmm. Me too! (laughs) Well, you're probably interested in cutesy games. Have you heard of Quad Heroes? I have not. Well, let me show you this one. Quad Heroes is a really cutesy game currently out on Kickstarter. Uh, It's going to be closing soon. It closes March 3rd. So, yeah, I don't expect it to be open very, very long. It's a really cute-looking game, and it's the basic idea is that all of your characters are cube-shaped characters. They're not dice, they're cubes. And moving around the board always starts by turning the cube over, so you, you flip it on a side, and then do an action based on that side. So, like if your head side lets you shift, so you get to shift. If your head side, if your feet side lets you tumble against, then you get to do another tumble, potentially causing you to do another action and change that, chain that around. So you're tumbling over on a side. So you're changing what you're facing is on the die, the cube, which lets you act to activate other powers so you run around the board and you pick up topians and you drop down sheep or spring or rocks or crystals and all sorts of things and you get dice or excuse me you get cards that you do all sorts of extra powers I think that really the cute aspect is the it's the minis that are very cute is these cubes are are minis essentially but cube shaped minis for the different cute (laughs) characters they're Mm -hmm. cute they're very cute So apparently it's solitaire friendly. They say that it's one plus players. I don't even think they limit themselves by how many players you can play, but it's one plus players. So they theoretically have solitaire gameplay. I did send a message over to them. Mm, They're still testing and in development on the solitaire game. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. That always gives me pause. I mean, that gives me pause for one. Well, how good is the solitaire going to be? I've not seen anything about it on the guild. I've you know, some some designers when they realize, oh gosh, we should really have some sort of solitaire involvement in here. Maybe I should ask for information or figure out about it. Well, who knows? They didn't do that, so I have no idea where they're getting any sort of feedback on what's wanted for a solitaire gameplay. I don't know what sort of testing or development they're done with it. They're not done with it yet. Hmm. Game looks really nice, but that just seems too irresponsible for me to want to be able to back.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. But but wow, this game has done really well.
0: It has done really well.
1: It's raised about $200,000, and it's unlocked tons of stretch goals.
0: Well, again, I think that it's raised so much because it's super cute.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. This, and this will be over by the time we air, so, you know, we're not influencing you in any way, which... But this is interesting. It's it's a shame, I, you know. I agree. The what you're saying, the, the rules are still being tested. You know, it may turn out that the they can't come up with a good solitaire variant. For all week, I mean, right? and and then as
0: open world as it is, all they need to do is come up with some sort of cooperative play. But they haven't even really announced any sort of cooperative play. They could have some sort of cooperative play, but it could be that the cooperative play is bland. Usually, cooperative play requires some sort of randomized element. They don't really have any sort of randomized element involved here.
1: Uh, they, they do now have a co-op scenario,
0: but it sounds like but that's it's, just one scenario. I so mean, played it over still, and over. It's still under testing, too.
1: Oh, is it okay? Right. Yeah, you you kind of want to get these scenes figured out before Kickstarter. I, I think.
0: Yeah. So as nice as the Everybody's game looks, mm-hmm. as nice as the game looks, that's what I'm thinking. But super cute. Probably going to look into that once it comes down to retail.
1: Yeah, um, I have nothing else to talk about. I'm, I think we're done. Well, then let's go watch a movie. Want to go watch Moana? All yeah. right. We don't have anything else today? No other segments? No nothing?
0: I don't know. I think Moana is probably appropriate.
1: Ah, wow, Okay. Yes. You, I do not you know anything about go that go movie. It, it looks very different looks very from different other than Disney
0: what? movies. Other Disney movies. No doesn't. It looks bright and colorful and cheerful. Just yeah, like but every, that main character is just so in your face. And it's just, I don't know. But it definitely looks very different than Conquest of Paradise. So today's game is
1: Conquest of Paradise. It was designed by Kevin McPartland um, and is published by g Games. The second edition, or maybe second print, I guess it's an edition, I guess. Just came out last year, but it was originally came out in two thousand seven um so it's a little bit of an older game The it's, when What's it first
0: the difference came out between the first and second edition is there, there's very, very small differences difference in components
1: no, not really it's probably if anything it's the components and maybe some updated artwork and that's what I think here and there um, so which
0: version are you talking about?
1: so I'm talking about the second edition it doesn't really matter. they play the same. They really play exactly the same. I think the only changes in the rules is cleaning up of unclear text, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, But when it came out, it was two to four players, and later on they came up with a solitaire variant, which is available through the um, C3i magazine, which is a magazine published by GMT Games. It it brought the components there, and you could download the rules from the internet. So now they've included the solitaire rules in the game Um, and all the components you need. You don't need the magazine or anything. So this game is set in um, Polynesian Islands, circa 500 AD. Um, right, This is the South Pacific, I uh, think, places like Tahiti and Hawaii and the Cook Islands and, and these sort of things. Um, actually, I think part of the map even includes uh, maybe parts of New Zealand, but I'm not really sure. The, that part doesn't come into the solitaire play. So so this game, is it's really a 4X game where you're exploring the South Pacific as one of the Polynesian tribes, there's four different tribes you pick from. Um, in the Solitaire game, you, well, in either game, you're, you're playing a tribe and you're starting on an island and exploring from there and expanding to other islands and eventually fighting with the other different tribes. I'm not sure that tribes is the right term, but we'll go with that here. Um, <laughs> and so so you're you're expanding and exploring. Um, that's what I really like about this game. You know, because just thinking about the way it was, you know, 1,500 years ago that these people got in these little tiny boats and jumped into the ocean, no idea what lay ahead of them, and just went for days or weeks until they came across another island. And then when they find a place, they would go back, tell the people and say, hey, look, I found a place. If we go this way, we're going to have another island to live on. So you are the colonists in the game, essentially? You you are the you're. It's a four X game, so you're ex- you're exploring, right, ex- and expanding, finding other islands, and expanding to those other islands. Um, the exploiting is kind of light in there, but you know you- you're building in there, and and then you're also fighting the other tribes and expanding into their islands. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, yeah, so you're you're exploring, uh, and fighting is
0: what this game's about. Who are you fighting with, the natives?
1: No. I mean, you are natives. Keep in mind, it's, it's a 1,500 years ago, so this is 500 A.D.
0: Um, that doesn't necessarily tell me that there's not a conqueror or someone coming in trying to fight the natives. No. That's it's it, not clear to me. Like, who, who are you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're a tribe of Polynesians, um, and you're ex- most of the islands that you're finding are uninhabited, and you're moving into them. Uh-huh. Sometimes th- there's a couple islands that are pre-inhabited that you could attack. And then there's the AI that you're playing against. And it also will expand and take some of your islands sometimes and, and How you could take his they? islands. Oh, they're so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last game I played, I was, I was doing pretty well. I was gonna, it was getting close. It was obviously gonna be the last turn, next one. Cause you know when the game's gonna end. And. I did the math. I said, okay, yeah, I could win. I was going to do this way, this way, this way, and I should be able to win. And the AI did not what I was expecting and ended up costing me two points and I lost the game. Very annoying. <laughs> but anyway, that's, uh, that's
0: jumping ahead, really, isn't it? So, So tell me about the components. The components are better yes. in the second edition? I don't know. I don't have the first edition. Well, tell me what components are in the second edition. Yes, right?
1: I will tell you. So the box, is, you know, it's a big GMT box like their coin games. It's about three inches deep. So not as big as a Feast for Odin, but
0: bigger than... Um, you will be hard-pressed to find a box bigger than Feast for Odin without yeah. moving to <laughs> Mix vs. Minions.
1: Ogre! Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, so... Gloomhaven. So so this game you're gonna it has a mounted board which is kind of unusual for gmt games so they're doing that more and more lately um but it's got a mounted board of the south pacific and it shows you where there's different islands on there but you're actually gonna some of them but you're gonna start placing the islands on the board as you explore and the islands you're placing are tiles there's probably about i'd say i don't know about 30 tiles and they represent different islands and atolls. And it has actual island names on there. Um, so in theory, you could lay them out the way they really exist. But as you're playing, <laughs> you're, you're exploring and placing tiles randomly. And there you explore. So each time you play, the game's a little different. The tiles basically have the name of the island and either 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4 spaces on it in which you can be able to play uh, huts, villages. Um the ones that have zero ends up, they end up being a Toes. They're, they're worth victory half victory point each, but not much really. Um, but the other ones are going to be more useful. The besides the board and the tiles, you get some pieces for each player. There's wooden cubes well not wooden cubes, wooden huts, little discs, and a bunch of different counters representing uh, warriors. There's transport canoes and war canoes and a couple other hauling ca- tiles that are counters that you can use as you expand, and, and a few other minor things that don't really come into play. Um, the game brings a die, which you get to roll. I added a one-player guild die, which works great.
0: Um, you mean a one-player podcast die or a one-player guild die?
1: I added the guild die because the colors I thought matched better. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what I based it on, and um spoiled for choice. <laughs> maybe so. And then there's a couple decks of cards. One is a arts and culture card, and the other one is an event deck. The event deck doesn't really come into play in the solitaire game. It might in the. It's part of the advanced rules. The the solitaire game says don't use the advanced rules. If you want to use the advanced rules, there's a couple things you could use, but for the most part, don't. So I just haven't tried it yet. Um. The agriculture cards are cards that you could buy during the game, and they're going to give you at least victory points, but sometimes they also give you benefits in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much all the components. The, the way the game works, at the beginning, um, you're going to set up your, your starting island. You always start in the same spot, and you're going to put a couple huts in that island, and you're going to get a couple warrior bands, and, and basically you're ready to go. The AI, your opponent, has the same sort of thing on the island next to yours. The the turns are really simple. Uh each turn you can do like four different things. The the first thing is skipping skipping the first turn, but every turn thereafter, you're gonna draw a tile for the AI and it's gonna tell you how the AI acts. It may be either it just places more villages or warriors or boats on the board, or it may explore, in which case it's gonna you're gonna start drawing tiles for it randomly. To see if it found an island. Oh, I didn't talk about the the exploration tiles. Mark counters, but in a second. But you're gonna fill out islands for the AI maybe. Um, and the other thing it could do is attack. There's five attack counters. You actually don't add them into the into the board. They're drawing those count, counters for for the AI until. Let me see. After you've you've drawn six tiles out of that out of the cup then you're going to add the attack one so the the ai doesn't attack for the first half of the game basically but the attack ones are annoying because the ai always attacks whatever is your weakest island um which means it's more likely to win the anyway so those are the things the ai could do after you've done the ai phase you can then explore you have a little exploring counter you'd put them on the board and moving from your home base exploring empty tiles around. You could go in any direction, um, one space at a time. The way the exploration works is you can draw a counter from an explore cup, and on the back of the counter it has either one, two, or three knots. You will place that on the board. You could go ahead and look at it, and it's either blank, which is open seas, or it has a picture of uh, palm trees representing an island. Um, You could keep exploring, or you could stop exploring. At the point where you have... (laughs) found five knots worth of exploring, that means you've traveled too far and you cannot explore anymore. Your your explorer would have to head back home. If you found if you got six knots, um then your explorer actually has been lost at sea. And you put them in this little lost at sea box and you've lost your explorer for a whole turn. Um so that's unfortunate. But you do your exploring. If you have found any islands you flip these oh you uh you draw island tiles and you place them on the board and hopefully they have spaces for villages. If not, they're just atolls, um, which aren't worth as much. Now, the annoying thing is because you're playing against an AI, and AIs could sometimes take the, the things you've discovered, you're always going to roll a die, and maybe the AI gets an island instead of you. Every time you discover an island, you may not get it? Every Yeah. It's kind of frustrating. And you're going to roll a die, and basically you... If you roll lower than the number of spaces between your home and the tower you found, the AI got it.
0: So there's no mitigation. Once you start going too far away, you're just out.
1: He's probably going to find it, yep. And, you know, it's uh, I have found that in a game, going beyond three hexes becomes... um. You don't really have enough time to really do that, unless you're really doing really well anyway. Uh-huh. And And if you do go beyond that and he gets it, that's not necessarily a bad thing every time because you could then go and attack it. And sometimes attacking to take an island is easier than trying to take over the island peacefully by exploring it. Um, I'll explain a little bit more of that. But anyway, so you're going to explore and you're, you're going to explore a larger and larger area and hopefully find islands where you could settle and move into. Once you've once you've done the exploration, the next part is where you move. You could... Uh, Move your, if you have ships. There's, I mentioned there's two types of ships: a transport canoe and a war canoe. And if you ships have trans- are just
0: tiles, right?
1: They're ca- they're small counters. Okay. Yeah, and um, you could use them to explore and move your people to to new islands, or you could use your war canoes to attack other islands by putting the war bands on the canoe and and going off to fight. the The combat's pretty straightforward. You're going to line up all your counters against all the counters in the defending island, and you're going to roll a die. And if you roll higher than three, the it affects the defender. If you roll lower than three, you're affecting yourself. Whoever gets affected is going to lose a counter, basically. It's Just a little more complex. one
0: die? One die is all you need. So you have to sit there and roll for a little while.
1: Yes, you do. And it's it's quick. I mean, normal, a big, big combat might have... I'd say sixteen counters is a lot, uh, and that'll be
0: towards the end of the game. Earlier Doesn't on, you have to roll like thirty times to resolve it. Maybe that's a pain. No,
1: no, no. A a, a big combat's going have sixteen counters total.
0: Oh, right. I still For have both to sit sides. there and roll like ten times, just over and over again. Probably.
1: Um, it's tense though, and and as you're rolling, I mean, so so I wasn't gonna get into details, but since since you brought it up. The uh, um, <laughs> if you Blame, roll blaming uh, me, yeah. <laughs> If you roll a six, you've killed one of your enemy counters and you take it off the board. If okay. you roll a four or five, they retreat. Okay, um, so so they're not completely eliminated, they may be able to retreat off the island if, if they lose the battle. Okay. If you roll a one or two, your counter retreats. If you roll a one, your counter is entirely lost. Okay, so. And so, when you're doing this, you're going to be choosing: should I go for the? Which one should I should I retreat with? Which one should I give up? It it, it can matter because ships, for example, are more expensive to to lose, so you kind of don't want to kill them if you can help it. But then sometimes you may say, "Well, I really need soldiers," and that. So, so there's a little bit of choice. Either way, it's a fast combat. I I don't think it ever lasts more than a minute. Okay, that's good. and there and there aren't that many
0: fights. And um, it doesn't feel repetitive, having to roll over and over and over again.
1: You know, it, a little bit, but it's fast enough that it doesn't bother me. Okay, I mean, it, there's not enough time for it to feel repetitive. I think. Okay. Um. And you know, with war games, the, you tend not to to have a battle unless you feel confident in the odds that you, you know, and you think you're going to win. So if if you have five counters and your opponent has five counters, you're probably not going to do that.
0: You're but you literally have each time it's a fifty fifty.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you want to you want to pick places where he's got three counters and you've got six, right? And then the odds are way better. So, yeah, but
0: you could still end up blowing all six of yours if you roll yeah. six six times in a row. Yeah, and that's never happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So, and so that can definitely happen, absolutely. Um, but, but again, even then, with nine counters, at worst, you're gonna you're gonna roll probably like seven or eight times. So it I mean, doesn't have to be very much. So you could have combat, you could expand, your empire, your your people could move to different islands and that sort of thing. That's the third part of the game. Um again that happens pretty easy quickly. The fourth part is that the um, you you now get money and you get to to buy new things. You basically get one I forget what they're called, but one point to spend per per village that you have on the board and there's a little bit of control on how you could spend it all your villages that are connected by by transport canoes you could spend all their money together so if for some reason you have two separate groups of villages that are not connected you can't pool their money together to buy something big um but the the sort of things you buy are the stuff i've mentioned right which is the different counters the um the warrior bands the war canoes and the transport ships the you could also buy the the cards. What did I say they're called? Oh, I'm sorry. The arts and culture cards. And like I said, some of these just give you victory points. They'll say, oh, you get one victory point or two. Some might say you get one victory point, but you happen to control this type of island, you'll get two. Some may give you bonuses in combat. Different things. Um, and once you've done that, you, you can adjust your victory points. The victory points is basically based on how much you control... Or how many how many islands you control, and how many villages you have, and and then you're gonna go on to the next turn. Start again by drawing a counter for the AI's movement. Um, you will keep playing this way until there's only two counters left in the AI cup, and at that point you finish that round and the game is over. If you have thirty points, you've won the solitaire game. Um, so it, it is very much a you know, try and get a certain score to win kind of game. The, what was I going to say? So, you know, I already mentioned, there's a, well, I didn't mention I mean, There's 15 counters total in the AI's cup, but that doesn't mean there's going to be 13 turns necessarily because when you draw an island tile, if it has four spaces on it for villages, you're going to draw an extra AI tile counter that immediately and resolve it immediately. So that means the game will not be one turn shorter, and you know that's usually unfortunate for you. But then again, you just found a really nice island. Um, so that's basically how the game works. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it took me a few games to kind of get the sense of the rules. It, it shouldn't have been. It wasn't that hard. But but now that I've got the rules down, it plays really quickly and really easy. And setup time is super fast because there isn't that much to it. Um, and you know, r- really quickly, I'm in there and play it in the game. Probably lasts me about, I'd say, about an hour to play, depending on how much my dogs want to interrupt, my cats, my kids. Um, kids, <laughs> you know, soon they'll be old enough where I'm going to make them play. Actually, they probably are already. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, then, what are you going to do? Quit the podcast because it's not solo anymore. You're forcing your kids in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, they have no interest in it. My my daughter has no interest in it. It's too war My son might have. He played it, but I haven't gotten. I haven't tried. Um, I don't know. Actually, has the attention span for it yet or not? Hmm. I should find out. The I really like the game. I have a lot of, lot of fun playing it. Like I said, it, it's neat. Just imagining as you're expanding from these islands to islands and seeing how
0: much open water there is sometimes between islands. But you say you only get three out. There's not going to be that much open water. You're forced to keep it pretty close in, no?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you are. That's still, in in terms of scale, that's probably still hundreds of miles ac- across. And that, I just find that amazing. And also when you're playing distances. solo does
0: that mean you're only using like a quarter of the board so
1: that is one of the things I dislike it's that you only use a portion of the board I'd say probably about a third of it could choose um when you play solo mm-hmm. it seems kind of silly you know I out of the seven or eight games I've played um the AI has only actually expanded on his part of the board um, with any significance once most of the Why? time I, it's kind of random. You know, I mentioned when you're exploring, you're drawing the tiles with the knots on them. Um, the AI works the same. He, he, his, uh, the rules say the AI follows a specific pattern for playing scene tiles. And, you know, it, you keep drawing a, a tile and count the number of knots. Once you've drawn up to five in the turn, you stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if he gets tile, tile or the little counters that have three knots on it, that's just going to end it much quicker. And so he's not going to explore too many. And also because you don't use all the tiles every time, you're always going to have two tiles you don't use. So it just worked out that he never explored far. Actually, in the first couple games, I forgot about the exploring for the AI. And that might have helped me. I've noticed that the the Asterisk more I play, the the, the, <laughs> the more I play and the better I understand the rules, the less I've been winning.
0: I think there's a problem <laughs> with that, sir.
1: The first game, oh man, I won so easily. No problem. <laughs> that does sound like a problem. I don't know. But it's a neat game. It's it's a little expensive, I think, for for how complex it is for Salter Gaming. It's 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 not as complicated as is fees for Odin sounded.
0: Um it's, I'd say it's <laughs> louder, lighter. And it sounds like you get a ton of tokens all packed in a very dense area. Um stacks of tokens on tops of ships on tops of islands not
1: not too high you never you don't get enough time to really build a huge empire and there is a limited number of counters anyway so i have never had really big stacks um i mean war games sometimes tend to get really crowded and and really big psychic counters i think this is generally small compared to some of those games um like, you know, sometimes when people play war games, they'll use tweezers to move the counters because if you try and pick them up with your finger, you start knocking things over.
0: Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That doesn't happen with this. Do you I've, ever I've... feel any concerns about being cramped for space? Um,
1: I mean,
0: sometimes... you're using only a quarter of the board in, in solo or a third of the board in solo.
1: Yeah, so I haven't felt cramped for space. Like, the last game I played, the the I had a bunch of counters on one island. One of the tiles, and I sort of just laid them next to the tile. There was enough space around it to do that, and I was mm-hmm. fine um as long as I knew where they were, I was fine, and it was not too hard to tell
0: um the The turns go by really quick, especially at first two How difficult A- at, is it to plan and think ahead and prepare your moves?
1: Um, it's at the the first two thirds of the game, I think go really quick. Towards the end, where you now have more counters and, and more places to attack and defend and that sort of thing, it's the game does slow down then. Um,
0: so it is highly tactical, or it's not. It, highly it is tactical?
1: highly tactical. It is not very strategic okay. because of the the way the AI works and the amount of randomness in there. You know, like you don't know where the islands are going to be from game to game because you're going to draw them first. You're going to draw the counter to see if there is even an island. And if there is I'm gonna draw an island tile and find out what kind it is so and then you're gonna roll dice to see if you even get it or if the a i gets it <laughs> so so you really can't plan too far ahead it, it it is very tactical and the strategy changes a lot now what I am seeing is i I kind of wish that I could have a game where I decide to to play more aggressively and instead of trying to expand my own islands just trying to attack the islands of the opponent or something like that but there isn't enough time in the game to do that. and It seems like there is always a consistent strategy to play, which is explore and expand
0: and and then attack. Is you said there's always a consistent strategy? Is that a problem for replayability? The fact that there's you know one way you're finding to play the game. Um, I've only played I think eight, seven or eight
1: times. I don't remember exactly. Um, it's a fair I, amount of times. I, well, I mean, I guess it is for eighty dollars. That's what ten dollars a game. Um still a little expensive sounding, so maybe maybe twice as many games would be better. I think I could get 20 plays out of it. That wouldn't be a problem. But I was asking um,
0: specifically, you said that you have one specific way you're commonly playing. It,
1: it doesn't get tiring, because every time it works out different, you don't really know. I mentioned the, the last game I played, it, it felt different than every other
0: game. In that is it was, working out different because you're doing different things, or is it working out different just because you know, you're because, getting different results?
1: Because I'll... I'm getting different results because the islands are showing up in different places and the AI is developing differently from game to game. In some games, the AI will, will have a lot of islands at first and then slowly start building on them. Other games, he starts building up quickly on his islands and then slowly starts adding new islands. And, mm-hmm. and those things change how you could react to him. If he has islands with a few a few uh, warriors on them, I can spend more time attacking. If he gets a lot of warriors quickly, then then I am not going to do much attacking for a while, and so my strategies end up changing. You know, and the cards that you get can change things. If if you draw a card that says uh, you'll get an extra victory point if you control Cook Island, and you see the the AI is controlling that island, well, you may not want to attack it for that point. You know, like it, it may change which island you choose to attack. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there is definitely strategy. Okay. Um. And again, what I find fascinating is, is the history of it, and just just imagining what these people were going through. It, it you know, fifteen hundred years ago, and what they were doing and what they're accomplishing, which is I just find amazing. The the rule book is pretty light. I think it's, I'd say about fifteen pages. I don't remember for sure. And the solo rules are two pages at the end of the book, which tell you how to how to play for and control the AI. They're pretty straightforward. I did find the rules a little bit confusing to read to figure out, especially the solo rules. They're not too bad, but it took me a few times to understand. I get the feeling that they could have spent a little more time on it and made it a little clearer. On the rules. Yeah. And not a lot, but it does feel like sometimes like I get a little frustrated trying to understand what they meant in the solo rules. But, you know, the usual strategy is, I either assume that it, you know, whatever's worse for you, <laughs> or or assume that you know it's trying to play like a real opponent. Now, the AI doesn't play like a real opponent. It wouldn't feel. I haven't played it multiplayer, but I don't think it would feel at all like a multiplayer game. There, there's definitely some
0: differences. And I see also that the rules are one of those text-heavy rules without reminder aids. Mm-hmm. I've seen some games, like Castles of Burgundy is a great one, that it's there's a bunch of text that goes through it, but throughout there's small summaries of everything involved, so you can see, you know, if you played it before, you can be like, oh, this is what this rule is telling me just in, in brief. There's none of that in this one, even though there's a lot of pages to the rules, it's a 16 page heavy rulebook.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, today I mentioned I played Aeon Zen today. That was a 20 page rulebook. But there's a lot of pictures in that, and they they were easy and fast to read. These are definitely slower to read, but the, uh, again, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised how light it felt when I when I went through the rules. I was like, oh, this is really straightforward. Um, other war games, and maybe, well, this is a war game. Other war games <laughs> are going to. Hey, it's the year of the war games again. <laughs>
0: Albert, I think 2016 is calling you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I live in the past. What can I say? No, the uh, other, other war games tend to have, it seems, tend to have rules that are more confusing. A lot more exceptions in their rules. Um, I, I didn't see any of that in this, really.
0: Two wrongs do not make a right. <laughs> Where is that? What are you talking about? No, I'm serious. It's saying that oh, other other war games oh. do it worse than this one, so it's okay. Not it's not that it's worse. Um, what ends up happening,
1: like with these war games, I have exceptions. They'll be like, um, you know, it, it's it's a war game simulating a specific historical battle, right? Um, gosh, I can't think of any examples. Um, but they'll say, well. In this battle the you know the US was fighting against the British. Let's so say it's it's a revolutionary war game. And halfway through the battles the British had reinforcements. And it changed the morale or the weather changed and suddenly the British started doing better. So they're gonna have rules like starting with turn four, all the British units get plus one defense. and, and these kinds of exceptions that you gotta keep track of can be hard. Or, mm-hmm. you know, your units always do this, except in this part of the board, and these three hexes, they do something different. <laughs> and, and those are really confusing and hard to keep track of and easy to mess up. This didn't have anything like that at all. I Meanwhile, well, not at all. It, it did a little bit in the solitaire rules, but the the basic game is really easy to grok, I think. Um, okay, and like I was saying, it, I think the multiplayer game will feel different. Um... The in that the solitaire game isn't trying to mimic how a multi, how a human would play. I think it's trying to mimic the results. Um for example, the AI that at the beginning you draw the counter. Whatever you draw, you do immediately, even if it's attacking. Even though in a normal game the attacking would happen in a different part of the turn. So yeah. So yeah, this I guess that's all I have to say about this game. Um I really like it. Good. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: oh, it looks bland
1: to me. <laughs> <laughs> does Is it the look of it you mean, or
0: does just the, the, look of the it, subject... It, it, looks, it looks a little bland. The islands, the island maps, they look bland. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It doesn't look flashy and neat. There's there's no real... Like, I think I could easily... If you set this up on a table, I would kind of, to a certain degree, just sort of walk by it and discredit it. There's nothing... There's nothing cool in terms of components or table setup setup uh, set that would make me draw an eye to it. It just looks like, especially I imagine, with counters everywhere. If I were walking by it, I would look and be like, "Wow, that's just a lot of stuff."
1: Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, going I this way.
0: And also, yeah. you're telling me even you know you're telling me that before the strategy of the game doesn't differ. It's just differing in how what the results of that strategy are and where you apply it.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you could you could plan a strategy from game to game. Like like he can't choose a different strategy from game to game. You can't yeah. you know, plan to work it this way. It it ends up being tactical
0: because of you know, of what's out and what's available. I think that I think that if it's the same sort of decisions being applied by Rote each time. I don't know. I think that if the art and culture deck that you were talking about and the event deck had a higher differentiation in how you play and how you react and what you do, that would be good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like if you would have to be chasing after different sorts of stuff from the art and culture deck or, you know, if a couple of different things would occur to, to make it so the different games feel like you're playing or could be playing differently.
1: Yeah. I see what you're saying. The game ends up being too short for, for that sort of stuff. It seems like, um, those those art and culture cards are a little bit expensive. It costs two of the resource points, whatever it's called. Is it resource points? Build points. It costs two build points for one of those cards, and that's that's kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of a gamble. You don't know if you're going to get just victory points, or if you're going to get a bonus. And especially early on, you you want to you want to get more villages because every time you add a village, that means the next turn you're getting one more build point than the this turn so mm-hmm. so you end up spending a lot of the first half of the game just trying to expand and then the second half you finally you're like okay i, I could buy some of these cards and th- at that point there's a lot of time to
0: to buy many cards yes but the true question albert mm-hmm. is what's it missing
1: <laughs> what is this game missing it, whatever it is there's space in it for the in the box <laughs>
0: <laughs> you say the box is too big
1: Um, actually, no, it's not too big. Um, not at all. I have to keep the counters under the insert and then the, um, the, the wooden pieces and the player pieces under the insert and then the, the tiles and the other counters and the cards in the middle. Well, I think our,
0: I think our two options for today definitely wouldn't fit in the box. No, no. As we do every time after we review a game, Albert and I will uh, argue based on words selected from words uh, submitted by all of our listeners. We're going to argue which one of the two words selected best would fit in the game we reviewed, which today is the Conquest of Paradise. So both of us are going to be arguing which would fit better. Albert's word for today is submitted by Peter. He's going to be arguing that a ski boot fits better into the conquest of paradise. <laughs> I, though, am going to be arguing that shrubbery fits better. <laughs> so I'm not sure who has the tougher tougher <laughs> bid this time. But, oh, dear. I, Albert, uh, do we know who won last time?
1: Well, I, I did a poll, and actually I put the last two in there. Let's look at both. So two episodes ago, or maybe three, I guess, the game was the Manhand Project Energy Empire, and missing, I typed that wrong. And one of us argued for Jellyfish, and the other one argued for Crisco. Jellyfish won, hands down, 19 to 9. Definitely this game needs Jellyfish. I don't know why. <laughs> and then last episode, we talked about Feast for Odin, and you were arguing that that game needed you in it. Well, I was arguing it needed mathematicians. And and the listeners agree mathematicians are needed in the game.
0: What nobody wants me?
1: You no, know eleven well, people I want someone wanted. Actually, this game had a, a smaller spread, so I'd say, or this, yeah, so I'd say overall across the two poles, you won. Oh, really?
0: Look at that! Mm-hmm. Yay! I'll still pick that you go first, Albert. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, All right, Albert. Oh, you ready? And, and listeners, I, I mentioned in that last poll that you know I'm supposed to be giving away dice every time your word gets picked. I have not been good about contacting people to send out dice. If I have, if we have had your word on here before, send me an email, send me a geek mail, get a hold of me,
0: and I'll send you a dice. I haven't already sent you dice. And I think that soon we're going to be switching to a different promo. Where, if you were to select it, there's going to be something different that you're going to be getting. That's coming soon, mm-hmm. so keep listening, and you'll hear more about that coming up. Yep, we're still working on that.
1: So, so yep, get your dice while, while it's still a thing. All right, Albert,
0: you ready to start? Um, What's my word again? Ski boot. Ski boot. Ready, set, go.
1: Yeah, this game needs ski boots. Now, most people, when hear ski boots, they probably think snow skis or something. No, 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 this is jet skis. That's the thing. You know, again, you're covering hundreds of miles in the South Pacific. You really, if you had skis, you'd have been able to do this more efficiently, more quickly.
0: This game needs ski boots. Okay. we'll just stop there. I was you go, 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 on ski boots. <laughs> <sighs>
1: no. And Julius, do you think it need shrubbery?
0: Shrubbery. Ready, set, go. In any good war game, we have to have places for everyone to hide behind, terrain bonuses, (laughs) hills, shrubberies, all sorts of things. And if we could just put little, little shrubbery, can you imagine how much nicer it would look with papercraft shrubbery dotting the tiles and planes? Have everyone hiding behind it, so shrubbery would be great for a war game. Done. Time. (laughs) Albert, your five-second rebuttal begins now.
1: Y- never hide behind shrubbery have you not seen Monty Python?
0: No uh. <laughs> what what are you referring to Monty Python?
1: How not to be seen
0: you know so, what before
1: before we go I yeah. was wrong about the price of conquest of paradise It's actually fifty seven m s r p Oh that's detail. much better, and you can find it online for for three you know that's a that's a much better deal that that makes it more interesting
0: That's a much better deal. Good job Albert mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. So, yeah, I guess everyone should go on and vote at the poll about whether or not they prefer shrubbery or ski boots. And I guess everyone should not hide behind shrubberies. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for today. Go vote for audience participation survey. Go ahead and uh, enter for that giveaway over there. And we'll hear from you more next time. See you in two weeks. Yeah, right. Bye-bye, all. Peace. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you.
1: Do 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 doo 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 doo. do 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 do